Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changers with Purpose, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We say it and we mean it. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today, the global street, of course. I have a quote from a young lady named Sherry Hakimi. She's the founder and CEO of the organizational development firm Sparkchers. If you want to look her up, H-A-K-I-M-I. Very interesting lady, a lot of accolades to her name and uh, just an interesting background. But I won't read all of that. Here's the quote. An organization without purpose manages people and resources, while an organization with purpose mobilizes people and resources. Now think about that. The first one manages, the second one mobilizes. So what are we talking about today? How can your company become truly purpose-driven? We've spoken about this before, and in case you're wondering, this is our newest series called Game Changers with Purpose. It's a spin-off of our Future of the Future with Game Changers series. So how can your company do that? Well, We'd like to say if you put sustainability smack at the intersection of many roles in your organization, think of the technical part, think of the physical part, think of the organization, right in the middle of your business, and how are you going to do that? Who is going to oversee it? Who's going to do that mobilization? We're suggesting that you create a new position. I doubt you have this one already, called a Sustainable Innovation Technologist. Let me repeat that. Write this down. Sustainable Innovation Technologist. What are they going to do? They're going to develop teams, solutions, and procedures. Why? Because all of this is going to make you purpose-driven, and the benefits to you? Better efficiency, more employee retention. You'll have a global impact. Revenues on the bottom line will grow, and you can do it with less cost. And who doesn't want that? So the immediate action item is write down the title and find headcount right away. I have three interesting panelists. They're all experts in this area of purpose, and they're going to help us figure out how you can become purpose-driven. So let me tell you who they are, and then we are going to get started with our opening quotes. First up in a moment, I'll introduce Dr. John Fry, F-R-E-Y, if you want to look him up, Senior Technologist and Strategist, IT Efficiency and Sustainability at HPE, that's Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Joining him is a returning guest, Rob Tila, Senior Director at OpenText, and rounding out the panel is Jim Sullivan at SAP, who I think is not on a mountaintop today, but we'll talk a little bit about what he does later. So welcome to our esteemed panelists, and let's see the opening quote. Dr. John Fry. I'll just call him John if that's okay with you, John. Now that we've, we've said doctor, is that all right with you? That's perfect. Thank you very much. And John has sent us a quote from Sir Isaac Newton. It's a quote that's been around for a long time, obviously. We haven't had it on the show in a long time, but it's fascinating to me. Sir Isaac Newton, PRS, uh, he lived from 1642 to 1726, although they're not sure if he died in 1727. I don't know why they couldn't tell that out. He was an English mathematician, astronomer, theologian, author, and physicist, described in his own day as a natural philosopher, recognized as one of the most influential scientists of all time. And his most famous book is Philosophe Naturalis Principa Mathematica, in English, Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy, published in 1687. So here's the quote. If I have seen further, 
It is by standing on the shoulder of giants. Welcome, John Fry. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. And I I just love this quote. Um, So often when we think about innovation and sustainability, particularly with all the rapid innovation that's going on right now, we think, well, previous generations really didn't innovate much. We're the ones doing all the work. And I'm constantly reminded that if we look back, if we stand on the shoulder of those giants and look back, we can see folks like way back in the end of the 19th century, Carolyn Crane, who was one of the first folks to make the link between environmental degradation, economic progress, and human health. She was both, like Sir Isaac Newton, a pastor and environmentalist. And so I'm reminded that much of the ability that we have to innovate today came because people before us did that hard work. Isn't that nice to know? And and the people who did that hard work, John, do you think they would ever dream that we'd be featuring, well, first of all, that we'd be on the Internet doing what we call radio, but that we'd be creating shows about purpose-driven companies? Do you think they ever thought it would come to, I'm just going to say, a pinnacle of, of a, a branding or a type of company where we could say you're either on the purpose side or you're not? And you need to be on the purpose side. What do you think they, back in the day, what would they say if they knew this is a big deal now? Well, I think they'd be delighted that it actually Mm. happened. But I don't know that in the situations that they found themselves in their wildest dreams, would they have thought that companies would have been focusing on these topics. But like I say, I think they'd be very proud uh, to know that it actually happened. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you very much, and good to have you on. And we have a lot more we're going to hear from you during the show. And now let's turn to our second guest, Rob Teela, welcoming Rob back from Open Text. And Rob has sent us a quote. We're really going back in time here from Plato. Uh, four, they're still not sure about the birth dates, either 428, 427, or 424, 423. And he lived, it was B.C., 348 or 347, I guess they didn't have a lot of of birth and death records in those days. Plato, a philosopher in classical Greece and the founder of the Academy in Athens, his entire work is believed to have survived intact for over 2,400 years. My goodness. Here's the quote. And by the way, Rob, I checked on the, the provenance of this quote, and nobody's really, really sure it came from Plato, but everybody thinks it should have, so we'll go with that. The quote is, human behavior flows from three main sources, desire, emotion, and knowledge. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Good to be back on the show, Bonnie. Thank you very much. We missed you. It's been a while. So tell me about this quote from Plato. We're talking about sustainability, innovation, technology, proven. We're talking about purpose, purpose purpose-driven, purpose-proven companies. So what would Plato have to say about all that? Uh, Yeah. Well, first of all, um, there was indeed no birth record at the time. And uh, I guess uh, we only have a few writings and letters from him. So it's indeed not clear if he really said it or not. But I still Mm -hmm. thought... It was a great uh, quote, and and the reason why I like it is purpose, and uh, if we talk about sustainability specifically, um, it really lives if it has a soul, and and it's not something that uh, companies can just claim. It's sort of a a marketing facade, but it, it's really something that comes from from inside out. And I think um, the quote really nicely reflects that um, there needs to be a desire, there needs to be emotion, 
there needs to be knowledge in order to to really uh, change behavior. And that behavior could be behavior of employees. It it could be the behavior of the uh, as such, or it could be behavior of customers. So think about um, uh, you know utilities uh, companies influencing uh, energy efficiency, trying to. Um, to uh, to promote water conservation and these type of things. So in order to do that, you need to have a soul. And I think uh, uh, these three elements, desire, emotion, and knowledge, are absolutely key and need to be combined in the right way to, to achieve those goals. Very well put. Thank you very much, Rob. Interesting that we have websites like Quote Investigator that look into these things and people on Brainy Quotes and Goodreads who are trying to find. But we all agree it probably could have been said by him. You're right. And uh, I love this. Desire, emotion, and knowledge. I think we need to acknowledge more of that in our work lives today. What do you think, Rob? Important stuff. Yes? Well, absolutely. I mean, um, let's, let's talk about how companies promote um, their purpose and, and uh, what they do for communities, what they do um, for, um, for sustainability, uh, and so on. And oftentimes, you look at their website, and there's a section under About, and it has a lot of text on it. Uh, text is not very engaging. It, it doesn't really trigger emotions as much as video uh, or pictures. Uh, yeah. The human brain can process those 60,000 times faster than text. And so oftentimes it's not really engaging. And I think, um, you know, providing a more, uh, more engaging way uh, to, to really talk about the purpose and get people on board, get them to really believe it, get them to feel it, is absolutely fantastic and is absolutely mandatory. It absolutely is. Thank you so much for that, Rob. Appreciate it. Welcome back. And now let's welcome back another returning guest, Jim Sullivan, who represents SAP on the Corporate Advisory Council of the Sustainability Consortium. I just found that in your bio, Jim. That's very important to our call today. And Jim has sent us a quote from Thomas Friedman. Thomas Lauren, L-O-R-E-N Friedman, born in 1953. I call him a young guy. American journalist and author, three-time Pulitzer Prize winner. He writes a weekly column for the New York Times, and he is written extensively on everything from foreign affairs to global trade and the environment. And according to Thomas Friedman, passion and curiosity are key components for education. There you go, Rob. He would have liked Plato a lot. Uh, Friedman's book, The World is Flat, was on the New York Times bestseller list from publication date 2005 in April until May 2007. And the book has sold more than 2 million copies. He has written several other books as well that they consider commercially successful. So bravo to Thomas Friedman. Here's the quote. Do you know what my favorite renewable fuel is? An ecosystem for innovation. That's the quote. Jim Sullivan, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me back. Delighted to have you. Talk to me about this quote. Are you a big fan and reader of Thomas Lauren Friedman's? I am. I uh, think the thing uh, it makes me think of is how it puts things in perspective. I was a little worried about having a quote from the mid-2000s that it would be uh, a little bit old, but now that I'm in the company of uh, Plato and Isaac Newton, I'm feeling pretty forward-looking <laughs> with, uh, with this one. So, I like that. Go ahead. Exactly. Um, I really got into uh, Thomas Friedman um, around the time he was uh, doing a series of lectures around hot, flat, and uh, crowded, uh, which was the follow-up book uh, to the one you just mentioned. And really, 
it was talking about megatrends in society and how we're going down this uh, this pathway around it. So hot would be uh, the increasing risks of uh, climate disruption. Flat is the increasing globalized economy and the ability to do jobs from anywhere in the world. And crowded is um, increasing population. So we'll talk a little bit more about megatrends uh, and technology later today. Uh, but one thing that I found really interesting about the quote is it's not just about Technology. Technology is one component, but human behavioral change uh, is an incredibly important component to uh, move this topic uh, forward as well. So I just really liked how he merged the technology side with the collaboration and innovation side from uh, from the human end. And there we go. There's that word human. There we go. Uh, I I was uh, talking with uh, Martin Wazowski at SAP. Do you know him at all? I do not. Jim? Uh, interesting guy. We were talking on a show a couple weeks ago, and there's something called the Hue Machine, H-U-M-A-C-H-I-N-E. It's like humans and machine learning all combined, and who's doing what, and very interesting, the idea of a Hue Machine. Um, well, that's another, you can look it up, a very interesting sidebar there. Thank you very much, Jim. Pleasure to have you back. And now let's go around the table and get a little up close and personal with our panelists, Dr. John Fry. Two questions for you. Number one, where are you calling from today? And number two, what powers you? What powers you in your work at HPE, Hewlett Packard Enterprise? And what powers you in your work on sustainability? What's your favorite drink? In other words, it makes you smile and makes you work even harder. Well, hey, Bonnie, I find myself in Houston, Texas today, which is where I call home. And we're a city that's still recovering from Hurricane Harvey. And so I find myself drinking a lot of uh, lattes, ice lattes or hot lattes, depending on the climate this morning, ice lattes, because it's pretty warm outside. And I come to that based on some climate research I had the opportunity to do in the cloud forest of Costa Rica, working with small family coffee farmers, trying to figure out how climate change was going to impact the quality of their coffee. And when you have some coffee that's that's right off the plants, it's dried and then fresh roasted. It, it's hard to beat that cup of coffee. So I'm on a never-ending quest to try to capture that taste and quality again. But uh, any port in a storm, uh, a latte works fine for me this morning. Well, thank you very much. That's very picturesque. And yes, when you've had the best, yes, when you've had the best coffee, wow. Always looking for that again. Thank you so much, Rob Tila. Where are you today? And I know you've done this many times before on other other series under the Game Changers banner. What are you drinking today? Could be what you've had before or surprise me with something new. Uh, yeah, I'm calling in from uh, the South Shore Boston area. We just survived a little bit of uh, snow uh, again on last Friday, and it's very cold here, so I'm a little bit jealous uh, about Texas right now, but hopefully we'll see some spring soon. And uh, what do I have in front of me right now? Um, actually, <laughs> believe it or not, I have a glass of water, and I have a nice fridge with a filtration system, so... Uh, I got rid of all the plastic bottles that I had. They were piling up all the time, and it bothered me. And uh, and that's what I'm drinking every single day. And uh, apart from, of course, a good coffee, I have a really good coffee machine here. And uh, in the evening, when I'm not working, I'm looking forward to... Uh, we have really nice IPAs in the area. It's a culture of uh, microbrews. And uh, I have a nice store uh, down the road, and... Uh, 
they always give me tips about new ones I, I can try. So I can't even remember all the names because I'm always drinking different ones and uh, nobody else knows them. And they all have fancy names. <laughs> Very interesting. I, I have a friend who drinks IPA beer and I, I bought him a six-pack recently. And when I went to the store, I'm, I'm not a beer drinker, Rob, and I went to the store and looked in the beer aisle of a very popular grocery store, a very beautiful, big, it's like a gourmet grocery store. And there was just this huge aisle with IPA beer after IPA beer. And the names, some of them had me cracking up. They were so funny in the pictures. And it, it's just a question of use your imagination and get your hops or whatever your ingredients are and market it. And I think people will come, right? It's fascinating, fascinating to me. I'm going to have to learn to drink some of this stuff. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Thank you, Rob. Jim Sullivan, where are you today? And what do you love to drink? Hey, Bonnie, I am in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., just over the line in Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, I am actually drinking uh, both of those previous answers. I've got on my left a uh, cup of uh, tap water, and as we talk about technology and human um, behavior change, it's interesting to me because, uh, you know, I always look at both the cost benefits and environmental benefits of uh, design choices here, and if you look at the uh, tap water versus bottled water, even if you spend a dollar a day on a 16-ounce bottled water, it ends up being about $365 a year, uh, which might not sound so horrible, but if you look at the equivalent amount of tap, it's about $0.10. Cents. So you end up spending about 3,000 times more, uh, you know, if you're looking at bottled water, as, uh, as Rob said. And on the environment side, the energy use from creating that is, you know, 1,100 to 2,000 times on the life cycle energy. So, um, you know, it's a big issue personally to me. We've created 8.3 billion tons of uh, plastic waste uh, as a civilization, and only about 9% of that uh, total is recycled. Even if you look at plastic water bottles, which tend to be at the higher end, it's only about uh, 31%. So really uh, taking a look at both the cost benefits and environmental benefits of moving uh, away from single-use plastics, I think, is uh, incredibly important. And uh, as I've given you some uh, specialty coffee uh, recommendations the last few times, uh, yes. I'd like to throw one out there for uh, conversion coffee uh, this time. It's a uh, uh, local... Um, uh, brewer based in uh, Richmond, Virginia, just down the uh, uh, road a little bit from Washington, D.C., and I uh, was drinking their house nitro uh, this morning, so uh, going for cold coffee uh, this morning. House nitro, my goodness, is that full caffeine, what we used to call full test? You'd pull up to the gas station and say, fill it up, high, yes. high test? <laughs> That's it. Okay. Thank you very much, Jim. I have a question for you. The Sustainability Consortium, what is it, please? Uh, sure. It's a group of uh, retailers and consumer product companies that have come together to uh, take a look at um, hotspots within the uh, consumer product supply chain. So uh, it's companies like um, uh, Walmart and Target and uh, Walgreens Boots um, coming together uh, with companies like Unilever and, uh, and uh, PepsiCo and many others to, uh, to take a look at um, gathering data and uh, reporting out on both environmental and, uh, and social hotspots. So uh, it's a group of universities, uh, University of Arkansas and Arizona State in the U.S., Wageningen in uh, Europe and Nanjing in China, uh, putting together a lot of um, uh, best practices and uh, data collection around this, uh, this topic. 
Thank you very much. And I'm just going to mention, uh, uh, I think Rob and Jim probably remember, John, you don't know me very well, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and this (laughs) is a doubleheader. I have another live show an hour after we end this one. So, yes, no caffeine. It's just cool, clear water, and I have the same cool, clear mugs I used to use when I was broadcasting from New York. Down here in the south, John, I'm in Durham, North Carolina now, and I haven't picked up the accent yet, but I am uh, intrigued by all the IPA beers, as I mentioned, in the grocery stores. So what I want to do, typically we take a break at this point, but I have a very important question for my panelists, and I want to go around the table. First, Dr. John Fry at HPE, then Rob Tila at OpenText, then Jim Sullivan at SAP. We've titled this episode, Now Hiring on Purpose, Sustainable Innovation Technologist. I don't know if that position even exists. So I'd like to go around the table and have each of you either tell me, does it or does it not exist? And if it does or doesn't, how would you describe that person and who would they be? Why don't you take about two minutes apiece and let's just tackle this, then we will go to break. So, John Fry, what is a sustainable innovation technologist or what would you like that person to do? Well, that's funny that you asked, Bonnie, because I actually held that title previously at HPE. That was uh, actually my first title in Hewlett-Packard Enterprise after the Hewlett-Packard company separation into two companies. Uh, And in that role, I was really charged to look across the company and look across our customer base and say, how can we foster innovation Uh, around all aspects of sustainability, social innovation, environmental innovation, and really look for some game-changing technologies that might exist or that we can uh, bring to existence across the company to really make a fundamental difference on topics like closing the digital divide, bringing healthcare to more people around the world, um, Mm -hmm. solving other types of societal or environmental problems, even things like tracking diseases across the world such that we can stop them before they become epidemic. So it was a job that existed. It was a very exciting role when I held it, and I was delighted to work with technologists across uh, both our internal organizations and external organizations to really drive some great change and opportunities in sustainability. Thank you. I really didn't know that it existed. I'm happy to meet one. Nice nice to make your acquaintance, Dr. John Fry. By the way, uh, there's a doctor in front of your name. What does that represent, John? So I have a doctorate in leadership. It was a, a interesting opportunity to to really look beyond what I was doing on a day-to-day basis as a technologist and, and recognizing this shift that we're going to talk about today that we have to help businesses make in their own mind. And really, how do we then bring other voices into sustainability conversations to make sure that when we're creating solutions. We're really creating useful solutions that solve the problems without unintended consequences. So it was a great way for me to further that education, and I'm just delighted to have finally completed that educational process. My wife has said, no more graduate school. (laughs) You're the perpetual student. Thank you, John. Nice to meet you again. Rob Tila, what are your thoughts on that role? Do you have one at OpenText? If you did, what would they do? Well, um, I'm I'm always impressed with how companies are using technology to to make an impact, and uh, uh, I'll give some examples. A couple of years ago, I visited the BMW factory in Munich, mm-hmm. and they do really nice factory tours. I'm a car guy, so uh, that was very interesting. And the first thing I learned was 
when they produce a three-series car, they, they recycle pretty much everything, and they have only about two grams of, of waste. And that's for the entire car with, with everything. And the one, one part of the manufacturing process was uh, really stuck in my mind. Um, you know, they have this part where they, they take the raw body and they paint it. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. they have a, like a cabin, the, the car moves in, and they have, you know, the different colors, and they, they spray paint the car. And there was a river of water underneath. And I wondered why they have water underneath. And then I learned that it washes away the, the uh, color particles, and they actually produce floor mats from that. Hmm. And that is pretty amazing. I have no idea how you would produce a floor mat for, for a car from, from these little paint particles. That is amazing technology. It's sustainable uh, they reuse it, uh, you know, right for other parts. And uh, so a lot of thoughts went into how to optimize that production step and provide some tangible benefits. I'll give you another example. Uh, a customer working with a utility, they produce uh, a lot of bills and correspondences every month. About 2.2 million bills and letters are going out net is an equivalent of 264 trees. And if you print it, uh, so for the print, paper, and handling, it costs them about $33 million a year. Mm. And they went digital, and they have, uh, you know, digital distribution of a large portion. Um, they saved over $8 million a year by doing that. But they also make it very interactive so customers can now interact. They, they can click on interactive parts of their bill, learn about energy efficiency programs, payment programs, low-income programs. They can interact. They can respond directly, and it becomes a dialogue. It becomes a, a, a new channel. So from something very static, very traditional, they use technology to make it more engaging, to save the company money, and to boost their J.D. Powell's customer satisfaction score. So I think that's another great example where if you have uh, traditional roles, you may or may not think about these things, but if you have someone who's really focused on leveraging technology for these type of purposes, you can really drive benefits on, on all kinds of different fronts. Thank you, Rob. Fascinating. And Jim Sullivan, we have time for you. Now, what do you think of that role? Does it exist where you are? Is it something you would want to do, Jim? <laughs> hey, Bonnie. My goal would be to have uh, 85,000 uh, plus of that role at our company. So I think, uh, mm-hmm. as we've talked before, um, you know, SAP is certainly a, uh, a technology company where, uh, you know, innovation is an important part of our uh, DNA and purpose is also an important part of our DNA. So our uh, vision is to help the world run better uh, and improve people's lives. And really, I would hope that, um, you know, all employees are, uh, you know, both living that, that sustainability, that purpose side, as well as the technology innovation side. And I think after the break, we'll probably go into a bit more detail on the, the technology side of megatrends. But I think... Um, you know, as Rob had said, uh, you know, just business process changes like that are uh, so inspiring uh, as we look at, you know, moving from a linear model towards more circular models and looking at waste products to 
uh, reincorporate back into uh, into production processes. Um, so I think there's huge opportunities here. And uh, again, I would hope that uh, that all employees are uh, taking on that role, at least informally, if not in an official uh, official title. Very creative answer, Jim Sullivan. I think it was great, actually. Thank you very much. Count me in. I'm one of the 85,000 plus or minus. We are talking about now hiring on purpose, and the keyword is purpose, because this is Game Changers with Purpose Radio. Sustainable innovation technologists, do you have one in your company? Would you like to have one? We'll listen up, and we're going to continue to define and describe what that role is. My very special guests are Dr. John Fry at HPE, Rob Tila at Open Text, and Jim Sullivan at SAP. If anybody wonders why I, I ask Jim Sullivan from time to time if he's on the mountaintop, it's because the photo he sent me that is on file here has him, it looks like he's on a mountaintop dressed in winter gear with a, a nice wool cap on. I always think of him as being on top of a mountain. So there, Jim, that's that's the that's the impression. That's the logo I have for you in my mind. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're having a really good conversation. I'm going to give my panelists a 90-second break so they can wet their whistle. That's an old-fashioned term, meaning take a sip of something that powers and fuels them and we'll be right back so don't even think of touching that mouse that app that that you know the drill Aaron out become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America Organizations that act with purpose can impact the greater social world. In doing so, they can also improve their bottom line, boost morale among employees, find it easier to attract top talent, and overall, make the world around them a better place. Purpose is everywhere, and we will help you align your organization to move forward with renewed purpose and vigor, enabling it to thrive in the short term and long term. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how purpose-driven organizations can lead to a better present and future for everyone. Game Changers with Purpose is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Game Changers with Purpose, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changers with Purpose. Here we are. We're back speaking with Dr. John Fry at HPE, Rob Tila at Open Text, and Jim Sullivan at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and we're going to officially start the roundtable, but we've already been having a roundtable. Dr. John Fry told me the following in his notes before the show. Quote, I believe that partnership is leadership partnering with customers and stakeholders to drive catalytic collaboration. We have to define that can lead to new Low-carbon breakthroughs. Interesting combination of words there. John Fry, please talk to me. 
Yeah, so let's define catalytic collaboration first. Yeah. Catalytic, catalytic collaboration, in my mind, is when one plus one equals four. Um, sometimes when we combine or when we partner together, um, there, there's really some amount of hesitancy or we're trying to to not uh, really innovate the way we could. And so I like to think in terms of catalytic collaboration. What I mean by that is where we bring in a collection of companies, a collection of stakeholders, a collection of voices that might not have been in the innovation cycle before. Because when we bring that broad variety of voices in, we have breakthrough innovation because we, we uh, solve some of the biased problems that each of us bring to the innovation table. And we have great examples. One great example is SAP and HPE's partnership together. And we find that as companies that want to be purpose-driven and want to be sustainability leaders come together, suddenly there's all sorts of new opportunities for us to help our customers and to make a bigger impact both in social and environmental types of issues. Thank you very much. Let's see what Rob Teela has to say. Rob, agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I think uh, if, if you want to change the world, you can't do it alone. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a very simple statement. End, end and, of show. Uh, end, end of show. That's it. That's the final word. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Well, that, that summarizes <laughs> it. But, but I, I'll, I'll give you some examples. I just read that... Uh, Apple is now powering their data centers. Think about, you know, iTunes and, and everything they do. They're gigantic. Um, 100% with renewable energies. Um, and that has a dramatic impact, of course, uh, in terms of uh, pricing. Renewables are more stable, but also in terms of, uh, you know, carbon emissions. In 2016 already, they saved about 585,000 metric tons of uh, carbon emissions by, by uh, moving to renewables. I know Google, Google is doing the same thing, Walmart. And they partner with, directly with renewable energy producers. They, they invest in them, in off, offshore wind farms and so on. And uh, they really partner to optimize their supply chain and a very important, not only cost factor, but also a very important environmental factor. And uh, that's, you know, just a small example of um, how they can uh, benefit from these partnerships, but they're also very disruptive because they're, they're taking out the middleman, they're taking out the utility in the middle. Um, they have licenses now to resell uh, excess energy, you know, renewables are not necessarily always producing uh, when you want them to. Um, so, so they're really changing the game uh, quite a bit with these partnerships. Thank you very much. Jim Sullivan, partnerships, leadership, thoughts? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention uh, the great work uh, Daniel Schmidt is doing uh, in his team at uh, SAP. So, you know, around the same topic, uh, powering mm-hmm. the green cloud for our customers. Um, we have a uh, CO2 uh, emissions target uh, for 2020, which we've achieved a few years ahead of schedule and have now launched a carbon neutral target by 2025. The part that isn't really talked about as much, but that target is also approved as a science-based uh, target, which means looking at carrying capacity of the planet and then and looking at, um, 
you know, the corporate contributions uh, to that. So uh, there's a lot of good work, I think, going on with a lot of companies. Um, I'll give you a personal uh, anecdote with, uh, with John and, and how we had begun talking about the topic. We were both speaking at uh, an event, Sustainable Brands, uh, a year or two ago. Uh, both had a plenary uh, presentation talking about the good work we were doing, and both of us sat down at the table afterwards and was like, hey, how much of the work you talked about was done, uh, you know, together with, uh, with HPE? How much of the work did you, you talk about was uh, done with SAP? So, um, you know, it was funny. We had two uh, independent presentations we were talking about uh, and talking about a lot of the joint collaboration uh, around that. So that's led to a uh, friendship and uh, good discussions about ways that, that we can make the one plus one equal uh, four, as, uh, as John said. So um, I think really interesting times, and there's a good opportunity for um, both technology and behavioral change to help uh, continue to drive the topic forward. Thank you, Jim. Great story and good to know about that collaborative partnership. John, anything quick you want to say to wrap this one up because I'm ready to move to some notes from Rob's list. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I think Rob hit one key point that's worth drawing out in this, and that is so often companies want to jump to renewable energy, and that's a great place to be, but before they get there, it's really important to lower your own emissions first. Get your own uh, operations as energy efficient as possible, and then make that transition to renewable energy, and that's where the economics start to work out. That's where a lot of the business relationships make sense, so it is really important to make sure that when you're looking to make these innovations that you're really doing the right things within your own operations as well. Wow. Very, very interesting. What do they say? Uh, the old saying used to be charity begins at home, something like that. I'm sure there are a dozen more phrases that would certainly um, hit that mark. Thank you so much, John. Rob, I'm looking at your notes. So many interesting things you sent me. Uh, you're talking about desire. Sustainability needs to be desirable. Why would you need, really want sustainability? You talk about economic reasons, shareholder value. Uh, I'm going to give you an option. You want to talk about that, or should we jump down to knowledge is key to sustainability and talk about millennials and what they're yeah, looking for? Yeah, I think for? that would be a great topic because, um, of course, you know, I'm a, I'm in a, you know, I'm not a millennial and. Uh, um, a lot of millennials are, you know, pushing into into the market, and uh, you may have heard I have a lot of utility background uh, from my examples, mm-hmm. and did a lot of radio shows with Bonnie on on that specific industry, and uh, and I think this generation change is hugely important for our topic today. Um, so in utility companies, uh, a lot of people, as much as 38%, uh, if, you, if you believe some of the studies, are eligible for retirement in the next decade. And they have trouble finding new people. Um, 72% of them actually say they have trouble finding people, you know, with technology background, innovation background, um, you know, someone is able to support all the new technologies and so on. And at the same time, if you want to attract uh, employees or if you want to be attractive to to customers, you have to uh, engage with them. And this is not just about uh, products and uh, and uh, sort of your, your, your key services, but 81% of the millennials, according to a Nielsen study, expect their favorite companies to make public declaration of their corporate citizenship. So I think uh, you touched on, on a few other 
points, how you know sustainability, for example, has an impact on, on uh, shareholder value, but really want to pick up this generation change because we're just getting started with that. As these people with a, uh, with a mindset of corporate citizen, citizenship, purpose, sustainability, move into leadership positions, move into politics, we'll see a stronger push um, to, to really pursue um, these type of goals and we'll see probably a stronger divide between companies that act that way and, and define their identity around those things and the ones that don't. Fascinating. We've got that M word millennials on the table now. Jim Sullivan, join us. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Knowledge is key to sustainability. Yeah, I, I would agree, uh, Bonnie, with that. I think, um, you know, I think the utility sector was an interesting, uh, interesting point. Um, one that stands out uh, in my mind as well is uh, I was on a um, uh, conference speaking uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, where Andrew Lavares, the CEO of um, uh, the combined Dow uh, DuPont, was also speaking, and it was talking about the ROI of purpose investment with a company, and uh, his point was that um, uh, within their company, it was well over a third uh, millennials uh, already, so the point was that, you know, ROI might might matter, and we need to figure that out, but we just need to do this to, uh, you know, for the exact reason that um, um, it was uh, was just talked about by uh, by Rob is is we really need to hire, attract, retain the uh, the best talent, and there is a war for talent out there uh, around that. So uh, in our case, um, you know, what we've tried to do is quantify that in some ways as well. So employee engagement is one of our uh, key performance indicators at uh, SAP, and employee engagement is driven by uh, our environmental uh, and purpose. Uh, uh, corporate processes as well. So what we found at SAP is that a one percentage point difference in employee engagement actually is about a 50 to $60 million uh, effect on our operating profit. So again, for companies in all uh, sectors, I think this, uh, this is becoming a new normal in the way uh, they do business. Thank you, Jim. Let's circle around to Dr. John Fry. John, thoughts about millennials and knowledge and sustainability and, and the declaration of corporate citizenship, CSR. Talk to me. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to look at millennials as a generation. They were actually the focus of some of my doctoral research. So I spent a lot of time thinking about and researching what makes millennials different than the baby boomers before them or even than the, than the plurals that are coming after them. And one of the key defining characteristics of millennials is they're not very interested in joining institutions. In other words, you're not going to draw them to your brand or to come work for your company because of the name uh, or the cachet behind that name. What really draws millennials is causes. And so if you happen to have uh, great demonstrated progress towards causes that are meaningful to them, in this case, purpose-driven causes, then they will come work for you or they'll do business with you. But the moment you demonstrate that that shift of focus has changed, you will lose them. So it is an attraction and retention issue from a millennial perspective. It's a consumer focus for attracting millennials' business as well. And increasingly, as millennials reach the point where they're starting to make investment decisions based on their own ethos 
it's really an investor relations topic as well. So there's a variety of reasons for companies to really pay attention to millennials and what sets them apart from particularly at this point, generations before them. Um, and, you know, I, I spent a couple weeks ago in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, speaking at a climate mm-hmm. event, and many of the speakers were from the millennial generation, and their passion for purpose-driven topics is outstanding. I just love the way they engage. Some of the ideas that they were coming up with, I sat through a student 90-second pitch competition where over 30 students pitched in 90 seconds or less their ideas for a purpose-driven product or service. Uh, I, I think they're really going to make a difference, but but as Rob suggested, they've got to have that understanding about your company's ethos, and if they don't have it, they're not going to engage. Thank you very much. Great information here. Um, I'm going to ask Rob if you want to quickly wrap this up because I want to bring in some mega trend information from Jim that I know he wants to talk about. Rob, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, maybe a, a critical comment here as well, uh, talking about knowledge. Uh, back to my my uh, uh, Plato quote, uh, I think we, we already touched on desire, emotion, and knowledge, all, all three of them. Um, if you look at any gender that is actually anti-sustainability. They, they usually try to address knowledge. They try to defund research, discredit, you know, scientists and research, and, and just make sure people don't know. And uh, I think that's just a, a, a critical uh, word of warning or uh, also to uh, to make sure that from, from a, a company point of view, we also uh, have an obligation to, uh, to speak freely and, and, and to provide information, good information and solid information and facts uh, to our constituents, be it employees, customers, suppliers, and uh, hopefully change their behavior. We can't Thank leave you. it all to, uh, to others or to politics. Um, and we see that the industry is actually picking up the ball. So uh, the very positive developments, I think. Thank you, Rob. Good points. And Jim, I didn't forget. Let me read a couple notes here and have you expand them. And then we're going to move. We've got about four minutes. We've got time. Global megatrends are a major factor driving significant business investment in purpose and sustainability. Jim says this is a long-term journey, not a short-term fad. He's referencing back to uh, his quote, Thomas Friedman from Hot, Flat, and Crowded. And then Jim goes on to say technology is both a megatrend and an enabler to mitigate the negative effects of other megatrends. Jim, please tell us more. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. I think, uh, you know, one of the, the things you hear occasionally about sustainability or CSR is that, oh, it's a fad, it's important this year, but isn't going to last. And um, mm-hmm. well, the point really is, is that uh, there are a number of these megatrends, so uh, demographics and social change. Population has more than doubled in my lifetime. Uh, which I find absolutely fascinating to think about and is expected to expand another billion people by 2030. So that's not changing. There are, you know, there are more people um, that are looking at more uh, resources. So uh, on the technology side uh, for hyperconnectivity, um, people are growing that fast, but technology is growing even faster. Um, by 2020, there will be seven times more uh, connected devices than people on the planet. So, Again, the opportunities, uh, I think, really abounds. My um, favorite kind of human behavioral change story is, uh, I'll, I'll date myself here, but 
about 20 years ago, I was doing site tours, and uh, there was a factory in uh, California where uh, they have electric fork trucks, and we're plugging those in. And at the time, there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, focus on peak load shaving and time of day pricing and all of that, and probably the biggest uh, bang for the buck uh, environmental uh, and cost savings move was, you know, a dollar's worth of magic marker and sign saying, please don't plug your fork truck in when you eat lunch, plug it in at the end of the day. So, um, you know, human behavioral <laughs> change, don't plug in while you're at peak load on a hot sunny day in California where you're going to get charged, um, you know, many times the average price. Uh, but now the fork trucks find their own locations. Uh, the workers are connected with connected worker safety and manufacturing that tell them everything about the location they're in, you know, to find the right charge spot to the, you know, the trucks are smart to charge at time of day and map, you know, pricing to energy use and uh, all of those. So really the connectivity is, um, and the ability for technology to help solve these uh, has increased exponentially. Thank you. I'm, I'm getting a kick listening to you, Jim. Very serious stuff, but I'm remembering there used to be a, a slogan, IBM's Think slogan was spoofed. I don't know if anybody on the panel remembers this. Spoofed by Mad Magazine, and they called it THIMK, T-H-I-M-K. Uh, and Thomas J. Watson Sr., the founder of IBM, had this one-word slogan, THINK. And so I'm, I'm thinking, Jim, that when the trucks were plugging in at peak on a sunny day, <laughs> the, the sign could have read, Thimk, do you really want to do this now? So there you go. I'm sorry. It just, just triggered in me the idea of would, would you think about it first before you just go ahead and do it. We're technically at the crystal ball predictions round, but I'd love to get a comment, just 30 seconds each from John Fry and from Rob Teela. John, any thoughts on megatrends that Jim so eloquently talked to us about? Yeah, I think the the megatrends are real, and with the shift of population to urban population centers, we have to rethink how we structure cities, uh, and with larger populations together, constrained resources, um, but with technology as well enabling lots of things, I, I think there are both challenges and opportunities that come out of that, uh, but the shift is happening, we're seeing it happening, and and so that's what keeps people like a sustainable innovation technologist really, really busy as this megatrend lives out. Thank you very much. Rob Taylor, quick thoughts on megatrends. Yeah, I think uh, we, we touched on a lot of uh, megatrends, you know, the connected devices and taking advantage of that, um, changes in, uh, in uh, population trends, etc. But um, I also wanted to bring up one trend, um, again, a little bit associated with millennials, is convenience. Um, mm. We see new trends, for example, how people order food, and we see, uh, you know, home food delivery services, uh, and you can get your food, you know, straight to your home. And we also see that um, the people who are actually using those services uh, are very interested in sustainable packaging, and they actually favor services that, that have good packaging and local sourced ingredients and, and so on. So when I, I occasionally get something here, instead of a cooling element, they just use a plastic water bottle, a still plastic bottle, but they just freeze it, and that's their cooling element. Uh, so you can actually drink it <laughs> afterwards and, uh, and use it for that purpose. So I think we have, we have some, um, some bigger trends here across different industries when you look at e-commerce and how food is changing uh, and, and, and all these impacts of these different, different aspects. 
Thank you very much. And you know what? We're going to, you know what? I, what I'm going to do a little bit different, Jim Sullivan, uh, since you would be commenting on their comments, I'm going to let you start the roundtable for the crystal ball. And I can give you just barely 60 seconds. So look into that crystal ball, whatever it's made of. I don't know how sustainable crystal and mirrors are. I, I, I actually own a disco ball that used to hang in the ballroom at the, uh, I think it was the Eugene, Oregon, Eugene Hotel. I bought it from them when they dismantled it. I gave it to myself as a birthday gift many, many decades. Decades ago, and I carry it with me. I move wherever I move around the country. It comes with me as a motor and lights and everything. So look into the disco ball, Jim Sullivan, and let me, let me give you 30 seconds here. What do you see coming down the pike for the topic of sustainable innovation, technologists, megatrends, and companies embracing purpose and sustainability? Big topic. Jim Sullivan, go. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. I think, um, you know, it's incredibly important um, to take a look at, uh, you know, what, what John and Rob were talking about is really um, sustainable growth. I love Rob's example of the water bottle, and I'm here thinking the company might be able to charge more because they're providing you, um, you know, drinks with your dinner uh, to go do that. But it's, um, you know, the short answer is everything matters. And typically, if you look at packaging versus food, the food waste issue, you know, will be more uh, costly and environmental uh, degradation than uh, a packaging issue. So it's really balancing out the entire uh, system design uh, in order to do that. So I really think, um, uh, as I said, I'm a technology optimist. I believe we can help with uh, both resource and business transformation leading to uh, sustainable growth on the environment side. And I think on the people side, it's really inspiration through digital inclusion. It's how do we uh, help enable the aspirations of tomorrow's workforce to better work and pulling people out of dull, dirty, dangerous work and, um, you know, beginning to optimize their uh, their engagement both with uh, technology as a way to uh, to help solve some of these problems and also uh, lead to the convenience, as, uh, as Rob had uh, suggested. Thank you very much. 30 seconds, Dr. John Fry. Predictions, go. Yeah, I think we are moving to a time where technology is enabling healthcare breakthroughs, societal breakthroughs, and even just quality of living breakthroughs like we've never seen before. And we move out of this place where for me to win, someone else has to lose to we can all win together from a societal perspective. And I'm very excited about that shift. And I think technology plays a huge role in that. But at the same time, I think we as technology providers have to understand that technology comes with with limitations and requirements as well and with footprints. And so how do we work to make those handprints bigger than the footprints that they take? Thank you very much. Eloquent as always, Rob Tila. I saved, oh, 20 seconds. Rob, go, fast. Yeah, I want to pick that one up. Uh, so I think we need to think about the digital footprint, be it batteries, be it, you know, what are you doing with this uh, old smartphone and uh, where does it go? How is it recycled? What, what's in it? Any any bad materials and so on. So we need to think about the entire supply chain and uh, of digital as well. And uh, I think we touched on that one also on the data center side. It's not about purchasing renewable energies alone, but also the you know, how do you, how do you reduce um, actually the, the need of, of your hardware and software? And I think sustainability... Rob, 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 I have to stop you. We are literally out of time. I want to say thank you. I think I, we need a part two. I think we need a part two to come back if the three of you are willing. I'll see if Brad wants to bring you back. Otherwise, we'll do this topic part two on 
coffee break with Game Changers. I know you'll say yes. So shout out to Brad Borkin for putting this together. Brad and your team, terrific panel. Aaron at the Business Channel. We uh, Aaron, my engineer, just said part two for sure. Bring them back. So there, you got the vote of confidence from the engineer. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like my really smart panelists, Dr. John Fry at HPE, Rob Tila at Open Text, and Jim Sullivan at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in one hour with a live episode of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Have a great hour. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changers with Purpose, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.